stocking out on Amazon is never a good thing. You know, it affects your rank and affects so many other things. And so um, never stocking out is one of our top priorities. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the e-commerce pros podcast. I'm Rob Wiltsey. And today we're speaking with Michelle Karchner, who co-founded Ascendant. Uh, they're a team of consumer product professionals that acquires segment leading brands, particularly on Amazon. Since 2017, Michelle has been working with a brand called Choose Friendship, which has gone from 60,000 in sales to 4 million over the last seven years. So tons of growth. And Michelle's been part of that growth and a big part of that growth. And she uh, is going to share the strategies that she's used to help facilitate that growth. And so I'm so excited for this conversation. Michelle, thank you for being on the e-commerce pros podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So first of all, tell me about Ascendant and what is your day-to-day like these days? So um, my day-to-day depends on what role I'm playing that day. Um, I've been transitioning from being a brand manager within the company to our vice president of D2C, which is kind of going back to my roots um, with some of my background being in Amazon channel management. Um, so depending what I'm doing that day, I, I go back and forth. Um as well as manage a team of people under our um, B2C team. So, um, Case Rank is one of the brands I've been managing since we acquired it in 2020. And so um, my day can look something like product development or inventory forecasting and things like that. Um, Or it can be something like monitoring all of our sales for each of our brands on Amazon and just seeing, you know, what's going on with each of them. So what do you love most about your job? What gets you out of bed in the morning? uh, And what's maybe the most challenging aspects um i'm never bored at my job (laughs) because if there is there's always something else i could be looking at or doing with another brand or something else um the most challenging is probably um making sure all of our brands have the right amount of attention at the right time and um each brand kind of has its own peak season we have one that's very super heavy very you know holiday seasonal um we have another brand that's very back to school heavy and so just depending on what season we're going into each of the brands requires different levels of attention from our team so that's probably one of the most challenging things is making sure all of the all the plates are spinning yep totally understand that and how do you prioritize like which brands to work with um i know you have kind of some criteria there yeah so um you mean which brand like we look to acquire to to acquire yeah yeah well, we have a pretty extensive due diligence process before we make an acquisition. We've actually done this multiple times where we go down the process quite a ways and we end up backing out or the other party backs out just because it wouldn't be the right fit for us for one reason or another. Um, we typically evaluate their Amazon presence. We definitely want to make sure there's opportunities for growth, so we don't want them to be tapped out. Um, but we do want to see a strong, a strong presence on Amazon, but an effort for growth. Um, we also want to see... You know, we look at their website and their wholesale sales because we don't just do Amazon at Ascendant. We do other parts of D2C and then um, wholesale strategy as well. And then beyond that, we make sure it's a good fit for Ascendant and our business model. Um, we want to make sure that the owners are going to be great to work with as we transition and things like that. So that all makes sense. Um, and and talk about Ascent. Uh, t- sorry, talk about Choose Friendship. Um, yeah. And yeah. what your involvement was with them um, when that started. And yeah, tell us about the story of their growth and, and what some of the takeaways were there. Yeah. So, um, 
when you go back to 2017, uh, myself and two of our other co-founders, including our primary owner, were working for a very large Amazon third-party retailer um, called Buyboxer. And at the time, um, they were partnered with Choose Friendship. So they were the exclusive seller of Choose Friendship on Amazon. And they took over all of their Amazon presence, you know, updating their merch content, advertising, things like that. And so um, one of our other co-founders was actually involved in managing the brand initially. Um, and then in 2020, or I guess 2019, maybe, the owner of Choose Friendship, the founder, he is, you know, 70 something years old. He's looking to retire. And so he approached the and said, hey, you do, do you want to buy this brand? And um, after looking into it, we said, yeah, <laughs> sure, because uh, we knew its potential. And so um, in May of 2020, we closed and we, you know, we fully acquired Choose Friendship. And it's been a fun ride. That's awesome. And so, yeah, talk about where that brand was at when you acquired it and some of the things you did to uh, to help it grow and, and, and to where it is today. Yeah. So let me think back to the numbers. It was something like, I believe we just come off a year that did either 700 or 1.1 on Amazon in 2019. And then in 2020, we did 1.7. And so, um, and then from there we grew again and again. So it's been pretty, a pretty strong growth over, you know, year over year, pretty much every single year. Um, Okay. Yeah. So, so you had some, some good growth in the first few, few years. And then, and I know it's at like $4 million today. So, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a huge, huge percent growth. I have to pull out my calculator, but that's like massive. So, um, and I know part of, uh, cause we, we talked before these, these shows and we yeah. I get a little bit of insight. <clears throat> you had mentioned, um, uh, that, that part of how you had survived COVID when, when, inventory and supply chains were just completely upside down for everybody. One of the things you did is make sure to never run out of inventory. And so the way, one way that you would do that is by throttling pricing so that um, when things were getting close, you'd make things more expensive. Talk about your your uh, the tactic there and, and some of the thought behind it. Yeah. So um, inventory management was one of our top priorities when we acquired Choose Friendship. That was one of the things that had suffered, the brand had suffered with for many years before we acquired it. And um, they often were running out of stock. Um, and so my um, before I was in Amazon land, I actually did supply chain logistics and I was a planner in the purchasing department of a large um, large company. And so that's kind of where my other skill set lies is in that kind of inventory forecasting side of things. And so um, we we always made sure to order plenty of inventory, but you know, COVID was a very odd year. <laughs> Um, and luckily, we had very good partnerships with our containers, with like our, our um, freight forwarders. And so we always had the containers we needed. That was never an issue for us. Um, but when it became, you know, mid-December, there were a lot of people running out of stock. And so that time, we were like one of the only ones that saw inventory in the toys and games category, um, and especially in our subcategory. And so... Um, because we had inventory, we were able to capitalize on a lot of sales. And yes, um, kind of throttling the price is something we've used multiple years um, just to kind of manipulate how we want the sales growth to look. Um, if there's a certain colorway that's selling way more than I like to see it sell, um, then you know we can raise the price on that one colorway or vice versa. If one color is not selling enough, and we have lots of inventory in stock, then we'll kind of lower the price on that one so that way 
it just kind of manipulates which colors people are buying in that way. Um, stocking out on Amazon is never a good thing. You know, it affects your rank and affects so many other things. And so, um, never stocking out is one of our top priorities. And so definitely if we're looking to, if we're looking at forecasting and we're going to stock out, we're definitely going to be raising the prices pretty significantly. Like to give you an idea, this product at the time, I mean, MSRP is obviously increased since then because of inflation and a bunch of other things. But at the time, um, MSRP was $22.99. We can comfortably be priced at $29.99 or $32.99 on certain colorways and still selling tons of units. And how I would do that is I had a table that I prepare beforehand that just kind of shows different tiers of pricing based on the MSRP. And I'll just keep going up a tier. I'll go up a tier, wait a couple of days, see how that affects my sales per day. And if it doesn't decrease it by X percent, then I'm going to go up another tier. And I keep doing that until I reach the, the right the right sales percentage. So. Hey, everybody, I'm taking a quick break here to tell you about VideoFresh. So if you are an e-commerce seller that needs some video content made, that is what we do. So my team does amazing work creating these really beautiful looking product videos. They're great for Amazon ads, for your product listing pages, for social media, anything you need. We make the process really, really easy. So if you're interested, visit videofresh.co and let me know if you listen to the podcast and what you think. All right, let's get back to the show. That's so fascinating. And you do this with like all of your products to some degree. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, Choose Friendship's the most, probably the most sophisticated in that way. Um, like I have the most sophisticated planning around Choose Friendship is because it is Q4 heavy and um, the amount of traffic and stuff that obviously comes with a Q4 brand like that is um, just insane. <laughs> so it, it, we've had a lot more practice and experience with that brand, but yeah, we, it's, it's a tactic we use across the board. And so what kinds of price changes are we talking about? Like, is it like, like 1.5 X or like, is it more like 1.1? I mean, like how, how far do things actually swing? Um, I mean, you can't go too high because then Amazon will, uh, like disable the buy box. I can't think of the right term right now, oh. but, um, like, oh, suppress, that's what I'm looking for. Okay, you can't go too high or Amazon yeah, will suppress the buy box. And so it's kind of a a, a trial and error. Um, typically, the top, that like the highest end we've seen before we can before we get in trouble is $34.99. Um, and I definitely don't want to suppress the buy box. So if that happens, I'll bring the price back down to a level that Amazon doesn't deem price gouging. Um, yeah, so that's about the top end we've seen. So twenty two ninety nine to thirty two ninety nine is kind of the highest we've we've ever gone. So when you go from like kind of kind of an average price point to the high end that you would push it to, like what kinds of sales decrease do you experience? Um, depends on the year, and it it all depends on what the other colorways are priced at, right? So if for, for example, I have six colorways of, the, of a product and I only throttled the price on two of them. So I raised the two of them to $32.99. Those two colorways will probably decrease by at least 50% in sales volume. However, if I were to take all six wow. of them up, they wouldn't all decrease by 50%. Like it just depends on the ratio. Like it, they're, they're so dependent on each other that it's hard to say. Um, that also depends on the category and the time of year you're in because you have to really know how price sensitive your customer base is. And when it's, you know, December 10th and your kids want this 
toy for Christmas, you don't care if it's $30 or $27, right? Like you're just buying the toy. So it's underneath the Christmas tree. So. <laughs> yep. Interesting. Yeah. It's a, it's, it, there's some urgency getting your kids like the, the, the right gift. Yeah. Uh, in time for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, um, and so what do you think are some of the takeaways for sellers here? Like, do you have any kind of heuristics for, um, this is kind of what I'm fishing for is like, how, how much do you play with price? What is kind of then the tactic? Cause obviously what you're kind of doing is you're slowing down your inventory depletion in time to replenish yeah. it. I, I get, I yeah. assume. Right. So then, so then what, um, yeah. What does that process look like of actually replenishing your inventory or at least with choose friendship? Like how long does that take? And, and, how much additional time is it buying you uh, to do that by by um, adjusting the price? Um, well, we source out of China. So um, depending on the product we source, and that's all across the board, but this brand specifically does primarily come out of China. Um, you know, if, if something's ordered already, you know, it's going to take at least 30 days on the water and it's going to take at least probably 40 days of production, 45 days of production. Um, there's also longer lead time items that go into that. So if you have like the thread, for example, might be a longer lead time item. So you have to kind of forecast into demand. Um, however, where this is a Q4 brand and I rely so heavily on Q4, um, I bring in inventory like now, like I have shipments arriving now for Q4. And as soon as, you know, end of September, early October rolls around, I'm going to start sending them into, into Amazon to some of centers already. Like I want to be fully stocked, ready to go by the end of October so that they can do all of their um, moving in between Etsy's or whatever they need to do beforehand. Because um, that's actually causes problems before too, is getting it into Amazon, right? Um, there's so many different areas you yep. could um, have things go wrong when it comes to inventory management. But um for this brand, I mainly just want to get through the holiday season because if I um, if I can make it to January, the sales momentum slows down so much that I'm it's very unlikely I'm going to stock out. Is there any mechanism that you can use to also like have some emergency reserve or something of product too in case uh, even if you throw it down in case of some situation where its supply chains are even slower than you anticipate uh, does amazon have any like mechanism for that or is there any way no of, of no once that? it's in the fc you're no, once it's in the out of your hands <laughs> unfortunately yeah that's what that you just have what you yeah have at that and point. the flip side of that is um say you know december 10th rolls around and you're realizing you're selling way more than you thought you would and you have them in your warehouse but they're not at amazon it's also too late you're already dead in the water so yeah, there's nothing else you can you you can't like do hybrid like fulfilled by Amazon, also fulfilled by you. Yeah, I have done that. Yeah, um, I have done that before. Yeah, there oh, really? was one year I did that um, because we had a, a huge shipment that was on its way to Amazon FB that for some reason got lost and it had a lot of units on it. And so, um, I did activate SBM for a time period, but you have to be prepared to you know fulfill a lot of units and. That's not really going to work once you get past, I don't know, probably December 15th, December 17th, because depending on um, like your fulfillment lead time in, Am in your seller central account, and then obviously 
power hour long Amazon predict, predicting it will take to get to the customer, a lot of times it'll still arriving after Christmas. So um, if you really want to last up until the last prime shopping day of, you know, December 20th or 21st or whatever it is that year, you really have to have them in the SPs. Yep. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, yeah, are there any other lessons that you sort of learned along the way with regard to um, supply chains, inventory, anything else that you feel like would be valuable for, um, you know, listeners? Yeah. That are, they have their own stores. Um, one of the things I like to do, and I don't, I don't think a lot of people do this, is I go directly from the port to Amazon FC. So I actually don't bring a lot of my inventory to my warehouse and then ship it in. Um, especially for my Q4 inventory, I go straight to the port and then in. Uh, it just saves on cost and it saves on time. And so that's one tip I like to recommend. It does add complexity. Um, so you have to be pretty technical and you have to make sure you have a very good freight forwarder that understands Amazon logistics and their requirements for sending products into Amazon. Because obviously if they screw it up and they don't have the FBE labels on correctly or whatever, then um, that's going to cause you problems down the road. But if you can work out all the logistics, then it's definitely worthwhile doing. Interesting. So you can you arrange it so your products go straight from the port right to Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, most sellers would kind of collect all that product themselves and then and then send yeah. it off to the warehouse, I suppose, to verify that everything is yeah good. Yeah, that's kind of the risk. Th things, yeah. If that faith. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever experienced any any of the like? Have you ever experienced any any like? QC issues with that um, you know there's obviously going to be some level of uh defective product right with any shipment and so even when you do QC check yeah. the factory or here you're going to encounter some or miss a few so um I would definitely recommend doing QC checks at the factory if you're going to do that like I wouldn't just go totally blind um but yeah I mean expect that there's going to be some level right. of error yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, but like you said, though, the advantage is, um, you know, logistically, you can make sure. Well, well what is the, the biggest advantage, actually, uh, for, for shipping um, Definitely cost. To so, the warehouse. I mean, that all also depends on where you're located in the United States. Like, we're based in Utah, and, you know, to get something from the port to Utah is not super cheap, especially um, during COVID times. You know, we're looking... Yep multiple thousands of dollars for a truck to get a container from the port to the, the my warehouse. And um, when I'm bringing in multiple containers for Q4, you know, that adds up pretty, pretty quick. So if I can split off what I need to go to Amazon yep. right away, I just cut the cost, you know, in half, probably. Right. It's one yeah. trip instead yeah. of two. It's also better for the environment. So <laughs> Interesting. And better for the environment. Yeah, win, win, win. Um, yeah, that's that's really awesome. And so, um, yeah, what's next for Choose Friendship uh, as a brand, um, and and what what gets you excited? So, um, I love product development. That's kind of one of the my favorite things about being a brand manager that I'll miss probably the most as I step into my new newer role. Um, we're launching new colorways again this yep. year. Um, I always recommend launching new products. I think that's a great way to grow sales. I think most people would agree. Um, especially if you already have a best-selling product. Like, that's one of the first things I did when we took over Choose Friendship is uh, they had a really great selling product. 
they only sold it in one color. So immediately I developed three additional colorways and then I've, I've done more since then. But um, customers like choices and especially where this product geared towards children, you know, I'm a mom. I know how moms think and I'm not buying the same color for all four of my kids. Why I, They each want their own color. I don't want to deal with them fighting over which one is whose. Easy. This person has blue, this person has yellow, you know, yep. whatever. And so... Um, Launching new colorways is definitely on the list for Choose Friendship. We also have a couple new adjacent products that we're looking to launch, so I'm excited about those. And then just seeing more growth. Um, Q4 is kind of like our Super Bowl. <laughs> um, I, I actually do a lot of preparation, even like mentally for it, because it, it requires so much of my time and focus. And just, um, you know, I do a lot of analytics, even, you know, daily for Choose Friendship during Q4. And so, but it's also exciting, right? Like uh, last year we reached the top rank of 69 in toys and games on Amazon, which was um, phenomenal. I, in wow. 2021, I was so close to getting in the top 100. We got to like 121. That was kind of our top sales day. And I was so bummed I didn't get the top 100. So last year, you know, this time of year, I, I said, I'm like, I'm getting the top 100. Like, this is not an option not to get it this year. And so... When we broke. Yeah. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So when Congrats. we got 69, I was pretty happy. And we'll see what we do this year. Cool. Well, that's super exciting. Um, and where can people uh, reach out to you? I guess they'd have to be a brand yeah. looking to get acquired, um, which uh, I don't know how many you're accepting or uh, what that looks like. But if people wanted to get in touch with you, where? Uh, so AscendantBrands.com, LinkedIn. Um, yeah. All the yeah. usual places. Cool. Yeah, we'll put... Uh, We'll put links in the yeah. show notes and all that good stuff. Um, so do you have any advice for our listeners, uh, any sellers on advertising and things that you found have worked well for the brands? Yeah, that so you advertising is one of our key components of growth, I would say. Um, don't be stingy with your ad dollars, um, especially if you're looking to target growth. Like you're not going to get 52% growth with, you know, a, a very tiny um, ad spend. So Typically, we reinvest about 12% of our top line sales back into ads. Um, so if you could do the math, like if I was targeting to do $100,000 in, in September, I would probably be about $12,000 of that as an ad budget. Um, and obviously, that depends on the month. So for Choose Friendship, for example, or it's extremely Q4 heavy, um, when I'm leading up to Q4, I have very high, I have a higher percentage. So um, September, October, I'm in the more like 13, 14%, and then I'm kind of tapering it down. Whereas in say January, February, I'm probably going to sit more around 10%, but the average I want to be about 12% if you really want to get that growth. Um, the reason I, I, yeah, the reason I do it That's earlier is because you really want that organic ranking as you head into your peak season. So if you've been spending a lot of dollars on, you know, craft kits for girls or whatever, whatever keyword you're targeting um and you're on you're on page one or page two that's a great place you want to be as you go into your peak season because then people are going to find you organically you're not spending quite as much money on the ad um yeah that's my tip for advertising and then always run coupons or promos at the right time to boost sales so i know we talked a lot about increasing price we do plenty of you know promos and coupons or prime exclusive discounts or whatever you want to call them, um, depending on the, the type of promo you're running. We do plenty of that throughout the year. And even, you know, leading up into Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend, we do plenty of that as well. So there's always a balance. 
And uh, inside of the Amazon ads ecosystem, what types of ads are you running and what have you found works the best? I mean, there's sponsored brands, yeah. videos, there's streaming TV, there's, yeah. you know, sponsored display. What what tends to... Um, I mean, we do most of them. We don't do anything like... Or we don't have DSP right now, but we do uh, most of them are branded, um, like our, our brand... What's that called? Uh, sponsored brands. We typically have our branded campaigns about 10 to 15% yeah. of our overall ad spend. Um, and it just depends if there's a brand that's popping up that's a little bit more aggressive or a copycat seller, we're going to be more defensive than we, than we are on other times of the year. So um, we try to be very flexible and just making sure we're updating things pretty frequently. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for that advice. That's really interesting uh, to kind of hear the 12% number as a heuristic, of course, yeah. might depend on the product and the details, but that's a, that's a good uh, anchor point for someone to kind of look at where their ad spend is. And, and if they're looking for more growth, maybe they have to be a little more aggressive with the spend. And um, yeah, I think that's so, yeah, a common pitfall of brands. Um, you know, in the past, before we were ascendant, um, I co-founded a, an Amazon advertising agency with a couple of our other co-founders at ascendant. And um, that was a conversation we frequently had is um, people don't want to spend a lot of money, but, you know, they want to be in like the three to 6%. And but then they also want to grow year over year by, you know, double digit growth. And so you can't really have both. Like I think you need to, <laughs> you have to spend money to make money yep. in, in, many, in many cases. So. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's absolutely true. And yeah, for, if you want big growth, you do have to get very aggressive, especially, I mean, this is true for in business in general and startups. I've heard, you know, 20, 25% of, of revenue should go back into advertising if you're like a, you know, if you're a startup looking to like blitz scale, you know what I mean? So you definitely don't want to um, underestimate ad spend. And then of course you also have to right, make sure that that right. spend is effective. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to spend that money badly. I'm sure that doesn't result in the results, but if you are finding something that works, um, you definitely don't want to be, be too penny pinching with, with, pumping into right, that. Right, for sure. Yeah, uh, you mentioned something that I was actually going to say and I forgot, which is if you're just starting out on Amazon, it's going to look way higher than 12%. Like, it's probably going to be all of your dollars going back into ads because, it, you know, if you're budgeted $3 a day, that's probably not going to do much for you, right? Like, you're going to have to spend more money in the in the beginning. And then once you start scaling up, you know, you reach $100,000 in sales for the year, like, it starts to get a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. If your revenue is is ten grand, uh, you probably, probably right need to spend yeah more than fifteen hundred <laughs> for the whole year <laughs> for the whole year. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for uh, sharing all this with us today. Um, and uh, let's do this again. Let's keep in touch in the future and hear how uh, Choose Friendship's going and uh, and hear how Ascendant is uh, growing as well. So. 